Metro, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Ross Reed, and uh, you have a beautiful wife named Holly and a little girl named Name Isabella. Isabella. And uh, Ross, you have had a crazy last seven, eight years of your life. Yes. It has been all over the board. It's been way down, and now it's sort of on the way up. And uh, you found yourself deep in the world of addictions, and you struggled not only with addiction, but you struggle with finances and your marriage and your parenting and everything. So why don't you just kind of tell us that story a little bit? Okay, so yeah, it started when I was about 19 years old. Um, I was a business major in college, and it was really one bad decision that led me down the whole ugly road of addiction. What happened? Um, so I was, whenever I'd give public speeches, I get really bad social anxiety. So it just started off as something really innocent. I would take one Vicodin when I'd have to get up in front of a large group of people. Just to kind of calm you down? Or yes. Yeah. yeah. And that just progressed. Oh, it, it snowballed really quick because I love the feeling. And eventually, you know, that one a day became, it became an everyday thing. And it eventually progressed into me taking five a day, then 10 a day, and eventually wow. 20 a day. Wow. And then after I got to that point, I started taking Xanax as well. And same thing with that. It started off one a day, and then all of a sudden, I'm taking up 20 a day with and that. And you found yourself always needing more to give you a new high. And yeah. New, yeah. I couldn't even function without them. I had to have them to be able to function. Wow. And then you found yourself in the world of heroin, right? Yes. Yeah. And what happened? So my addiction got so bad with the painkillers that... Um, they were no longer giving me any effects, so I just graduated to the next one. And once I got to the heroin, my, it just even spiraled out of control even more. And it, w it was a monkey that I just could not shake. Yeah. I could not get it off my back. And you ended up OD, right? You yeah, thought you were going to die. Three times in less than a week. Wow. And so you, you get through this. Now your marriage is crumbling and your your life is just falling apart, right? And you end up going to a recovery center. Yes, I went to recovery and it was in February of 2017. Yeah. And from there, that really did change my life though. And that was the third time I had went as well. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And you get out of recovery and you're realizing that you're not gonna make it without some ongoing support. And so uh, the irony of all this is that you were raised in the church, right? Yeah, oh, I, I was raised with a, as a Christian, obviously, and I had a very strong belief system. You know, I had good values and morals. I prayed on a daily basis. I didn't, I didn't do any drugs or anything in high school. I think in high school I might have drank one time, yeah. and I was always anti-drug, anti... -drug, anti uh, and it just fell apart. It, just, it was one bad decision, and I compromised everything I ever believed or stood for due to addiction. Yeah. And so now you're out of the recovery center and you want to be clean and you're ready to be clean, but you realize you needed help. And that's when you found Metro. Yep, the, the Saturday I got out of treatment, I started. So right when you got out, you came to church? Yes, right awesome. away. Yeah. And what was it like? It just, it was like week after week, I literally felt like you were speaking to me directly. The message was just heading close to home and I felt like you were talking to me directly. Yeah. In a, you were uh, ready for it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and Ross, uh, that that's the holy spirit at work i mean we hear that all the time like people say yeah i came to church and it was like i was the only guy in the room i was the only lady in the room and, and let me tell you that's the holy spirit beginning to speak into your life and in the word of god becoming alive to you that's what was going on and uh, that started to move you and you ended up finding renew shortly right after that right yeah the i think a couple tuesdays after i started attending renew and Renew has completely changed my life. Yeah. It really has. Um, the leaders there are amazing. 
And one thing I realize is successful people take advice from successful people. And a lot of the leaders there, they have great marriages, they've raised great kids, they're healthy financially. And, th and that's what I ultimately wanted. So I started, it took a little bit, but I started going and I started taking the advice yeah. and applying it to my life. Yeah. And for you and Holly, you, you were at the edge of divorce. You were actually in a divorce, right? Yes, we were um, separated and we had filed for divorce, separated for almost seven months. And we were about two months away or less than two months away from our divorce being finalized. Yeah. Holly uh, must be an amazing woman because I would have given up on you a long time ago. I would have too. She <laughs> is. She really is. Uh, but that has turned around in, in a pretty big way. Tell us about that a little bit. So we started, um, after we'd been separated for almost seven months, we started doing marriage counseling with you in mm -hmm. October. And we did about three or four sessions. And then we ended up dismissing the divorce. Yeah. And since then, we've been doing a marriage mentorship with Sean and Teresa. Yeah. And our marriage is its by far the best relationship we've ever had. It's, it's not perfect, but yeah. it's, it's definitely good. And it's much healthier than it was before. And, and you're on your way. And we're on our way, yeah. yes. Uh, so, Ross, the, the church, the body of Christ, has been good for you and your family, right? That's an understatement. It really is. It's, yeah. it's done wonders in all of our lives. We are super glad that you're part of Metro, and we, uh, we know God is just getting started with you. Thank you. You know, most of us are so busy that we don't have time to sit around and ponder what's really important to us. Uh, most of us don't sit around kind of uh, grappling with the deeper questions, the esoteric questions about life and what's in the inner fabric of who we are. Most of us just want to live life and we hope that we don't miss out on the big things, right? We, we hope that we get the, uh, the most important stuff. We, we hope that we hit the right stuff in life. But most of us don't think deeply about what drives us. But, but we just kind of run through it. But you do realize that there are, there are these core values inside of you that do drive you. Every one of us has one, a set of these, these values, right? They're, they're woven deep into the fabric of our life, whether we realize it or, or not. Back in the uh, early 20th centuries, uh, there was a very, very, very famous leader that came out of the land of India. Uh, his name was Mahatma Gandhi, and uh, he was a great reformer. He believed in the democracy of, of his people and the freedom of his people out of uh, British rule or from British rule, and he kind of led the whole movement to free the land of India. And not only did he challenge the politics of his day, uh, but he challenged everyday men and women like you and me uh, to, to think about where their life was going, who they really are or were as people, and, and what they wanted to become. He, he was really a great leader in many, many ways. And one of the things that he was very, very famous for saying was this. He would say this often. He would say, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your, your habits become your values. And your values become your destiny. Friends, there is a lot of truth in that statement. 
And I want to dial into one of those words in particular, the word values. Values are these principles, these standards that guide your thinking and your action. Uh, they, they are the basic convictions or beliefs in you that, between, that determine what is right and, and what is wrong. They, they're, they're different than your priorities. They actually help establish your priorities. They're deeper than your priorities. They bring clarity uh, to a very erratic world. Your values are like this internal compass that guides you when you're unsure as to where to go with your life. They, they direct you from the inside out. Listen to me, friends. You are willing to fight for your values. You're, you're willing to sacrifice for your values even when you don't even know what they are. You know when they're offended. And so you, you're willing to go to battle for them. Does that make sense? They're inside of you. They're deep inside of you. All great businesses have a clearly defined set of values. All great men and all great women do. All of them. Every one of them has a great set of values, clearly defined. And all great families have a clearly defined set of values. And let me tell you something else. All great churches have the same clearly defined set of values. Every church has a code of conduct that's deeper. Uh, it's almost unwritten. It's somehow stamped into them. And friends, let me tell you something. Metro has, a, has values buried deep in our DNA. It's true. There's, they, they permeate us. There's a set of values that permeate what we do and how we do it. The problem is, is that we don't talk about these values enough. As the lead pastor of this very ragtag, often rebellious group of people, <laughs> unconventional group of people, never going to make it group of people, but who love Jesus, Right? but who loved Jesus. As the pastor, uh, I spend most of my time just trying to get that, those balls rolling down field, right? And I try to get all the balls rolling in the same direction. But my problem is, is that I don't often take the time to, to clearly define that direction, to clearly state where we're going and how we're going to do it. And, and so we're in this series called Comeback, right? The Comeback series. And We've been talking about this idea that every single one of us gets to this point in our life where we need a comeback. And it's not just like, you know, some of us go, my whole life is a mess, but it's not like that for most of us, right? We would say there's certain areas of our life, like we're happy in some ways and we're moving forward in some ways, but in other ways, we're just a disaster. Anybody feel that? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? And so we talked like in that first week about this idea that we need to come back to our priorities. And we painted this picture that God has to be first and God has to be most. And that God has to be, remember what we said, is not just the top of the ladder, but he has to be the center of everything that we are. A comeback to that. Anybody feel that? You know what I'm talking about? And, and then we spent the last couple of weeks talking about our finances and our health. And many of us, just in certain segments of who we are, we need these, uh, these, these comebacks. And it could be to your finances. It could be to your health. And there are a whole bunch of other personal ways that we're going to talk about that you or I need a comeback. But I thought it would be entirely appropriate that today we pull off of you and me as individuals and we talk about you and me as a group, as a community, we would talk about us together called the church and have a little talk about our values, a comeback to our values because it does not take long for us to forget who we are and what we're supposed to be. It doesn't take long to, as, as a church to get away from the very things that God has called us to 
and the kind of people that we really, really want to become. So y'all with me on this? And, and so my hope is, is that if you are a Metro regular, uh, that you will walk out of here uh, glad to be part of this community. That you'll walk out of here maybe with your head just a little bit higher um, because you have a clear understanding about who we are and how we're gonna do this thing called church together. And if you're not a Metro regular, maybe you're new to our church or maybe uh, you're new to the Christian faith, I can't think of a better time for you to be here. I think this is just gonna be a great uh, time together because you're gonna see who we are. And, and my hope is, is even though you might walk out of here not believing what we believe, you might walk out of here going, even though I don't believe, I still would like to belong to a community like that because of the way we want to treat people, because of the way that we want to do life. And so, um, if it'd be okay with you at both of our campuses, we would love just to pause for a moment, and I wanna invite God to literally sit with us, to be among us, to stir our hearts a little bit. And, and for some of you who are new to this whole thing called faith, um, my hope is that you will ask God to speak directly to you. And if you come here week in and week, week out, you know the routine. You, you need to invite God. You need to ask God to speak to you. So let me lead us, and then we'll jump right into this. Y'all good? Okay, here we go, both campuses. Father in heaven, um, we just take one moment to quiet our soul just a little bit, to slow down just a little bit, to speak to you, to ask that you would visit with us. And, and I pray that you would speak into the clutter of our life into the busyness and the chaos of our life right now. Um, God, I pray that you would speak in spite of me, that you would speak around me and through me. God, I am humbled um, to be able to stand on this stage and do this. And I don't want to screw this up. So God, we ask that you would speak. Speak, oh God. Speak, oh God, for your child is listening. Amen? Amen. Great churches have this set of clearly defined values, as do great businesses and great families and great individuals. And let me tell you something, friends. I want to be a great church. You with me? There are times that I think Metro has been a great church. And then there are times I think we've lost our way. But I want to be a great church. And I want to start by just giving you a little bit of vision about who we are and where we want to go as a church. And then I want to talk about how we want to do church. And the vision, if you've been around here for any length of time, I think you uh, may have caught on to this. Uh, the vision is to, is to become a church where people can take their next steps toward God and with God. And it doesn't matter who, who they are. You know, um, the, 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 there are those who, who are very far from God. And from the very, very first days of Metro, we wanted to be a place where people who were far from God could come in here and take their very first steps toward him. And at the same time, we wanted to be a church where those who were maybe a little bit more like me, who've been trying to do this faith thing for a little while, that they would be challenged every time they were here every time they thought about our community, that they would be challenged to take their next steps with God. And that's the kind of church we want to be. 
a next steps kind of community. That's the vision. See, a vision is about a picture, a picture about where we want to head, but that doesn't tell us how we're going to do it. That's the values. That's a little bit different. And you know, when I, I think about our church a little bit, there, have been, there has been a lot of talk about a, our church on the media, uh, on social media, and a lot of people are trying to define who we are. People think they know who we are. Let me tell you something, friends. They cannot define who we are. We define who we are. We define. We define how we're going to treat each other and how we're going to treat the world around us. It is our job to figure this out and to live like that on purpose and to head in that direction. We don't always get it right, but we are going to try. And so I just want to talk to you a little bit about this, this kind of a DNA that we need to have, the, these values. And uh, several years ago, I sat with a group at our church and we started to talk about the people that we are currently, the way that we do things. And as we began to talk about this, there were these certain phrases or certain words that kept coming to the surface over and over. And we realized this is our DNA. This is our value system. These words really do define us. And we actually came up with, with nine words. And I want to just share uh, these nine little values with you as quickly as I can. Uh, we're going to take a couple weeks to do this. And, and I, I want to drop these deep into your life because I want these to be sewn into the fabric of who we are as a church. I want us to get this right, even though we have not always gotten this right. I want us to keep moving in this direction and keep pushing us in this direction. Um, are, you, are you with me on this? We have these nine values. This is the kind of faith community we want to be. And so the very first value, and if you were to be taking notes, you'd want to write this word down. Uh, what's at the very top of who we want to be is a, a community that values truth, that values truth. Uh, Lynette was reminding me just the other night of a time when uh, Zachary, who is our 19-year-old now, uh, he was just a little guy, probably, I don't know, maybe three years old or so, and uh, we were at our family, kind of family dinner gathering kind of a thing, and all the cousins were there, and, and Zachary has this cousin named Cody, and uh, about the same age, and, and they were playing, and we're all watching, you know, the parents are there, and all of a sudden, my beautiful, young, innocent Zachary starts punching his his cousin, I mean, just boom, boom, just hitting him, like just punching at him, you know? And of course, we react, we go, what are, you, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Stop it, you know? And my completely innocent son looks at us and goes, uh, we say, why are you hitting Cody, your cousin? Why are you? I am not hitting him. He just looks right at us. I am not hitting him. And we're like dumbfounded. We're watching him belt his cousin, you know, and he bold-faced lies to us. And so I remember, as our kids have grown, all of them, we tried to teach them about this thing called truth and how important truth is. And I remember teaching them this little thing over and over and over, and we still are working on this. And I would say to them that the single biggest reason that we tell the truth in life is because God is true. Because it is in the nature of God to be true, then it should be in our nature to reflect God's nature. That if God is truth-filled, then we want to be like God. We want to reflect his character. And so as a community, friends, listen, we, above all things, we value truth-telling. We value the truth of God's word. We value the truth of who God is in and of himself. And we value you and me being truthful people. 
It is absolutely essential to who we are. As a matter of fact, this is what the scripture says about this idea of truth and how God is the center of our truth. It's found in the book of Romans chapter three and it says this. Let me just read this to you. It says, true, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean that God will be unfaithful? No, no. Just because you and I, who are supposed to be part of God's family, we screw it up sometimes, does that ever make God a screw up? No. And so here's what it says. Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. Anybody just want to say something about that? Even if the whole world presents a false narrative, God is true. He is not a liar. And as the scripture says about God, you will be proved right in what you say and you will win your case in court. Our concern, listen friends, our concern with truth is an expression of our concern with God himself. If God exists, then he is the measure of all things. Not to care about truth is not to care about God himself. To love God passionately is to love truth passionately. Being God-centered in life means being, uh, being a truth-driven person. It's essential that we get this right. Uh, what is not true is not of God. What is false is anti-God. Indifference to truth is indifference to the mind and heart of God. Our concern with truth is an echo of our concern about God himself. Do you hear me, friends? Did you catch that? This is important to us as people of faith. This is the top importance to us as people of faith. Um, God says... His word is true. And we must believe that. And we must live that out. As a matter of fact, we say we follow who? Anybody in the room? Who do we follow? Okay, we got a problem. Uh, who, who do we follow? We follow Jesus. You know what Jesus says about himself? He says, I am the way, I am the, the truth, and I am the life. If you want to find God, you find it through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And friends, please hear my heart on this. I know that the whole world is saying that the Bible and all that it teaches is old-fashioned and it's out of date and it's irrelevant and out of step with, with the times. But maybe, friends, just maybe that's the reason our whole world is jacked up. Y'all hearing me? Maybe that's the reason our world is screwed up the way it is, is because we have left the central truth, the absolute truth that is found in God's word. If, if more of us were to be living out God's word, I'm just saying I think the world would be Different, and dare I even say, better. And dare I say, better. I heard a very famous uh, preacher uh, defending his move away from uh, biblical absolute truths like traditional marriage and the such, and he was talking about embracing what he called, quote, um, any and all expressions of love. And we talked about this lately in our church. We've been caught up in this LGBT stuff for a little bit. Uh, and I don't even want to get into all of that. But, but listen to what he said about how God's word is shifting to him. Now listen to this. This is a quote. It was made on the Oprah Winfrey show. Uh, we're, we're moments away, this preacher says. We're moments away. I think that culture is already there and the church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. Friends, church after church, denomination after denomination, entire Christian movements and individual Christians are, 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 are becoming less and less and less relevant uh, if we, they say, if we keep espousing truth that dates back thousands of years. 
And to that I say, because you have left the truth of God's word handed down to us through the blood of martyrs, that you have become less and less relevant. You see, what separates the church from the rest of the world is God's word, right? And if we leave God's word, let me just tell you something. All we become is an expensive social club. That's all we become. And friends, we cannot become that. What, what makes us relevant is that we are keepers of truth. And we want to give that truth to the world. You, you don't need me or anybody else to stand on some stage and to make you feel good about who you are and your present condition. You don't need me or anybody else to stand up here and espouse you know, three truths about how you can, I don't know, make yourself better and a pat on the back and maybe a little quote from Oprah or a little quote from Dr. Phil. You don't need that. You know what you need? And you know what I need? Is we need the word of God applied to our lives. That is what we need. It is eternal, it is unchanging, it is unmovable. And that is what will change our souls. And that is what will keep us connected to our creator, is his word. And friends, we are going to be a church that loves his word, that will hold on to the truth of God's word. And I hope that you're with me on that. Uh, truth matters. It's very important to us. But let me say something else. That truth aims somewhere. Truth heads in a direction. You, know, you wanna know what that direction is? Truth aims at love. And love points back to truth. Let me say that again. Truth aims at love. And love always points back to truth. And our second core value is this idea of love. That truth must be delivered in the set of love, right? That, that truth, uh, love is just the other side of truth. It's, it's the other side of the exact same coin. Uh, you can't have one without the other. You cannot have truth without love, and you cannot have real love without truth. Y'all hear me on that? It's like, a, it's like this burrito, right? It's all mixed together, and it tastes so good when it's mixed together, right? It is a burrito. Truth wrapped in love, is the formula that we find in scripture, and that's the kind of people that we need to be. In one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible, Paul talks about this idea of love and how important it is because truth without love is just a beating. You realize that, right? Um, because love is what lifts people. Love is what opens the door to truth, for truth to be heard. Love is what permeates the hearts and opens up the mind, and it widens the soul for people. Love is the gateway in which truth will, will travel. And so Paul writes about this. And, and he says it like this in the book of 2 Corinthians. This is supposed to earmark our lives. This is supposed to define our church and who we are as a people. This is what it says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels. So he's like, if I was like the smartest guy in the whole world. Listen, if I knew everything but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Listen, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and I possessed all of this knowledge and if I had such incredible faith and I, that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be, what is this word? Nothing. Nothing. And if I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body I could, uh, and I, uh, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would gain, what is this word? Nothing. Nothing. 
You see, everything that we can muster as a church, every song that we can play, every great message, every great youth program, every great thing that we could do for our kids, if it is not carried in love, it means absolutely nothing. 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 Truth always aims at love, and love always points back at truth. They cannot be separated. I read this little story about a young man who found Christ uh, during his college years. Uh, he was kind of like this big time college partier kind of a guy. And, and he wrote about how he discovered who Jesus was. And this is from his own memoirs. And I quote this. Uh, it says this, everyone knew that Donner Hall, Donner Hall was like the place he lived in his college, like a, uh, like a fraternity or something like that. So he says, everyone knew that Donner Hall had the best parties. All the night dance parties and all the beer guzzling attracted the largest weekend crowds by far on the campus, especially the notorious second floor. By midnight, every Friday and Saturday, the entire floor was packed three inches deep in smashed beer cans, empty wine bottles, and stale potato chips. But by 7 a.m., he writes, the next morning, all the garbage was removed. The second floor residents assumed that a conscientious janitor came bright and early before everyone awoke and cleaned up the mess. Early one Saturday morning, though, I was still hungover from Friday night's party. I stumbled out of bed to head to the bathroom at the end of the hall. Noticing a freshly vacuumed second floor, I mumbled to myself something about the janitors coming really early again. Now listen to this. On reaching the bathroom, however, my nose warned me that the mess was not completely cleaned up. A trail of vomit soiled the bathroom floor, ending at a point where, where somebody was still mopping up the mess. I thought to myself, I'm sure I'm glad this janitor is doing, work, doing the work of the cleanup, not me. That's when I noticed that the janitor was not the janitor at all, but it was one of the guys who lived in the house next door. He didn't even live in our hall. His name was Marco, and he was cleaning up the vomit. And I remember saying to Marco, man, Marco, what are you doing? And Marco answered me with a very simple reply. What do you think I'm doing? I'm cleaning up the mess. Why, I said, you were not even at the party last night. And what he said next changed my heart forever. It changed my life forever. He said, quote, well, it's simply because I'm a Christian, Simply because I'm a Christian. Without love, we are we're nothing. But with love, we can become everything to somebody. Without love, we are But with love, God can move in ways that, that we could never even dream or imagine. With love, the truth of Christ is put on display. With love, people see who Jesus really is. And when we're selfless with our love, it moves the heart of hardened people who will not normally hear of the love of God in any other way. We want to be a church that loves recklessly and relentlessly. We want to reach by love. We want to care by loving. We want to give truth through this avenue called love. And here's what the scripture says. Listen carefully to this. This is what the scripture says. 1 John 4, 8. Um, it's such a simple verse, but it is like a smack in the face to us. It says this, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If people look at you and people look at me and they just say they are full of themselves, 
Which people have looked at me and said that before? The writer of scripture says, I don't even know who God is. If people can look at you and not think that you are a loving, graceful person, then the scripture says you don't even know who God is. And when people come into these doors, in our communities, to our buildings, to our life groups, to our events, to our children's program, to our teen groups, they need to go, those people are crazy. It is like a love cult in there. It is weird in there. These people are so kind and so gracious and so good to one another. They care. They're so, they're so full of the love of God. That's what they need to see in us. Because truth aims at love. And love always points back at truth. And friends, when you get around somebody who loves like that, what do you want to do? You want to be away from that person or are you drawn to that person? You're drawn to that person. And friends, if you've followed Jesus for any length of time, and I don't know that you have, um, but one of the things that, that I think attracts us to Jesus, and it certainly attracted crowds to him when he walked this planet, was that Jesus did both of these things perfectly. He gave truth and he gave it with love like it was a burrito, Right? And people lined up to hear from him. And will they line up to hear from us? What kind of church are we going to be? And this really leads us to the third value that we want to get around as, as a people. Is we want to be um, a church where people do actually take next steps. Where they grow. Because, listen, because truth and love mixed together that it moves you somewhere that you are not naturally. Come on, anybody? Anybody? Um, when, we, when, we, when we get around this idea of God being true, and when the spirit of God begins to move in your heart, something ought to change in us. Something ought to move in us. Uh, because it, it takes us somewhere new that we value this thing called growth in our life. We, we do. That the grace of God, it changes us. The grace of God, it, it helps us to become more like God. Here, here's how the scripture says it. Listen to this. First Peter 2, it says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Pause. It's saying that even though you're a Christian, you still got junk going on. Woo. Don't start pointing at me. Right? But let's admit it right now. There's stuff in your life and there's clearly stuff in my life that does not honor God. That does not reflect the truth of God or the greatness of God or the mercy of God or the love of God. And he says about that stuff, and you don't need a preacher to point it out to you. You know what it is. And he says, all of that stuff, he says, get rid of it. Move, change, grow, become something different. He says this, uh, be done with all kinds of, and he wants to start naming them, this isn't me naming them. This is him, Paul, naming them. This is God's word. You ready? This is what he names. He says, if you got any of this, you're in trouble. You're not doing it right. He says, listen, get rid of all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of unkind speech. Ooh. Ooh. 
Anybody just want to say, ooh? Because that can't just hurt me. Anybody feeling that? Do I, I think I should say that again. Listen, he says, be done with all deceit, all hypocrisy in your life. Anybody ever say one thing but do another? He's talking about you. See? <laughs> Thank you, God. He says, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Then he says this, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will, what's this word? Grow into the full experience of your salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Want it. Ask God for it. Listen, grow, he says. Uh, now that you have a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are, you are coming to Christ, who is l the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. In other words, he says, you, when you meet Jesus, if you really have met him, that you should desire more of him in your life. If you have had an experience with God, and many of you have, you come into here and you go, oh, I'm going to sit in these chairs, and there's this moment you go, ooh, wow, that's kind of about me. Wow, wow. And you feel just for a moment that, that God is speaking to you. He says you should do something with that. And you should want more of that. Like I go get ice cream, and I go, I want a second scoop. And he says, you should want a second scoop of God's goodness. You should want more of that in your life. Let me tell you something, friends. If and when the truth of God and the love of God gets into, into us, something is going to change in us. Did you hear this? If it gets into us, it is going to change us. Something is, it, great is going to start stirring inside of you. Something is going to start to grow in your soul. Your soul is going to expand in ways that you never even dreamed possible. You will start caring about the things of God that you did not care about before. You will actually uh, be finding yourself going, Ooh, wow, why am I drawn to this? I've never been drawn to this before because that is the spirit of God moving in you. That is what happens. We should crave, Paul says, this pure spiritual milk. Drink it in, baby. He says, drink it in. We should want more of his presence, more of his leadership, more of his conviction. And if you've been around Metro for any length of time, um, I just have to warn you, uh, you will be challenged to grow. We're Next Steps Church. It is not my job to stand up here and make you feel good every week. It is my job to present God's word and to beg you and to challenge you to respond to it, to let him change you and mold you and grow you. Um, and if you've been around uh, church for a while, you'll know this church, that we are not interested in playing religion. Not anymore. Been done with that for a long time. If God is real, and if he is truly the creator and I'm the creation, if he is the king and I'm the subject, then I should want to be more like him and to serve him at greater levels and to become more like him at greater levels all, every day of my life. His fire should burn in me. It should start off small, but it should continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And our job is to make sure we don't come into here and go, oh, that was real nice. And then to walk out unchanged and unchallenged. Our job is to open our hearts to the things of God.
we should have less deceit and more of him. Less hypocrisy and more of him. Less jealousy, more of him. Less unkind speech and more of him. It's a desire that we have to have. And it blows my little mind when we, we, we come in and we say, well, I love God and, and I love all that, but, uh, but, you know, we go, I've always been this way. I've always been this way. It's who I am. I'm not going to change. Well, I say, well, you've always been a jerk. You should probably not be a jerk anymore. I don't know. How dare we tell God what he can change and what he can't change in our life? Right? Well, I've always had this struggle. I've always been this way. And God says, you need to become like me. I don't need to become like you. I don't have the problem. You have the problem. And I'm your answer. You gotta become more like me. Um, it's amazing. Like people will, will come into this place and they'll go, well, I just love it. Ooh, I love the songs. And oh, that preacher, he, that was a good one. And you'll walk out of here and you won't be concerned about serving your church at all. You, I, I, I don't understand this. I do not understand. You'll, you'll come in here and you'll go, wow, that was so good. Ooh, I feel, I feel good. I'm going I'm, I'm to be better. I'm, something's going to change. But you won't be concerned about giving at all. You won't have prayed for us during the week. You won't have come up and helped build a great church together. You won't care about serving in the kids program or the teen program or any of our programs that are designed to help people to become more like God. And I don't understand that. Because one of the values that we ought to have as believers and most certainly that we have as a church is this idea that we will grow, that we will take next steps with him. Y'all with me on this? Anybody with me on this? I saw this little thing on, uh, I think it was like the Discovery Channel one time. You know, we watch these little animal things and I love seeing the animals eat other animals because I like to eat animals and it's awesome. And uh, so... Yeah, and uh, so, but they, they were doing this deal about the wildebeest in Tanzania. Now, I've been to Tanzania recently, and uh, I got to see some of this across the fields of Tanzania, and it was kind of cool, these huge herds of wild-looking animals, and you don't see them here, like, on our highways, but you see them there. It's, as a matter of fact, they're in the middle of the highway. It's kind of crazy. And, and so uh, they, this, this, you know, uh, show they had was about the wildebeest in uh, the, what they call the Serengeti Plains of Tanzania. And there are tens of thousands of these wildebeest. And then they kind of zeroed in on this mama wildebeest that was given birth to a baby wildebeest. And it was really cool. And they were saying, you know how they got that cool voice? They go, no, watch the mama nudge the baby to life. And, and, and literally like the baby just drops out of the, like, it's like a drops out, like as a whole big thing, you know, and, and it's crazy, and the thing just gets down the ground, and like literally falls over, boom, and, and it's like within literally minutes, like a couple minutes, the mom is nudging and kicking at the baby to get up and move, to get up and to start to grow, to get, begin to take its first steps, and then, and this little deal that shows, like, it shows this like mama doing the birth thing, and nudging the baby, then it pans back a little bit, and it shows that there were a bunch of hyenas coming in for the, for the kill, right? And the mama's going, you better get up. You better get up. You better get going. You better grow. You better take your next step. And there's about three or four hyenas at first, and they were kind of circling around like they do. It's kind of crazy. And you're going, you're kind of rooting for the baby. Get up. 
get up, because they're coming at you. And, and, and so uh, a few seconds later, four or five more hyenas. Now there's like, you know, nine, 10 hyenas circling this, this mama. And they're getting closer and closer and closer. And the mom is more and more and more and more frantic, nudging this baby. And the commentator's going, if the baby would just get up and move, the hyenas would all leave. If they would just get up and grow, if they would just take their first step, let's watch. <laughs> And then you saw that the baby got up and fell and got up and fell. And the mom was more and more frantic. You could literally see this mother thing <laughs> nudging her newborn. And the baby didn't get up and walk. And then those 10, 11 hyenas came in for the kill and literally shredded that baby apart. And the mama took off. Now, what was crazy is a few seconds later, they take the film and they back up and just like about 200 feet away, there are 10,000 wildebeests in a massive herd, just 200 feet away. But because that baby did not take its first step, because that baby did not grow and move, it was torn apart. And I think there's a lesson in here for us. That your faith will be shredded by the enemy of God if you don't choose to grow. If you don't purpose in your heart to become more like him, to know him, to love him, to follow him. If you don't grow, you will die. You hear me? If you don't grow, you will die. Now let me read what the scripture says to us. We'll wrap it up with this. It's found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of Christ. It's like there's this darkness and, and we have this veil that's in front of us and we've had it removed and now we can see Jesus. It's like, like I don't know, I, 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 like, like all the time we see this where people go, oh, I don't know if I buy into this. And all of a sudden, God reveals himself and their heart explodes and something changes inside of them. And now they're alive in Christ. You see what he's saying? He says, you've had the veil removed. You once had it over your eyes, but now you can see. Anybody who was once blind now see? Anybody in the room once blind now see? Anybody in the room once blind? How about people on video once blind now see? Listen, he's saying there's this veil that was once over you and now it's been removed. Now listen, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We should not stay the same. We should grow. And we should literally say, God, I open my heart to you. Tell me what needs to happen. Tell me what needs to change. Tell me what I need to do. And our answer should not be, well, as soon as this Netflix series is over in seven weeks. It should be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. More of you, less of me. Love, truth, wrapped in love, equals growth. You hear me? Truth, wrapped up in love, should result in growing our soul.